The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with our buddy, Mark. Wow. Coach Harvey Hyde is here. We're doing it on a Monday because Sunday was a travel day for me, but we did put up on the podcast feed our Tunnel Vision show, so we gave you a little taste of what we thought for Keeley uh, Shotgun and myself, but we had to get it with Coach Hyde. A lot of questions have come in. We're going to get to all of those just in a minute. If you have any questions or comments, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com, or if you'd like to call or text us, and you guys use that voicemail line pretty well on Saturday, especially with the early game. A lot of calls came in in the afternoon. 424-254-9141 is the number. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, please leave us some positive feedback wherever you download the show, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Megaphone, wherever you're listening, please leave a positive some positive feedback, a five-star rating, all of that really helps the show. And you know what helps the show? Having a guy like Coach Harvey Hyde coming on every week, sharing his knowledge. What is up, Coach? How are you? Well, buddy, can you hear me? Yeah, buddy, I'm fine. It's uh, another work day, except it's a bye week. So I think it's uh, really important to see how USC attacks this bye week. If they give the players off, or if they're going to work, or if they're going to go out and recruit. What's their philosophy is going to be? But I know we have, as you mentioned, so many questions. And normally when I start this segment or podcast, I sort of rant and rave for about 20 minutes or 10 <laughs> minutes and so on. And then all of a sudden I start answering the questions people have asked, and I don't think that's right. And since you said we have a lot of them, why don't we answer the questions? And then at the end, if there's something I have to say that maybe someone didn't ask, We'll do it that way today. That sounds great, Coach. Uh, we can certainly do that. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to get in before we jump into the questions that you, it kind of tickled my fancy when we were talking off air. You listened to our Tunnel Vision show or part of it, and a lot of the questions that come in, a lot of the talk is speculation about, you know, who's going to be the next head coach, who's going to be the next AD. And I know you kind of have a different philosophy. So may, I don't know, maybe you want to touch on that first before we jump into some of these. No, I don't mind doing it. I, I like listening to your tunnel vision and hear you guys talk and so on. And uh, it was maybe uh, consumed a lot about the future of USC, its football program, its athletic director, and all of the above, which is 
a lot of uh, talk out there, not only by you guys, but by our listeners and football fans and fans of USC Trojan Athletics, which I think is very important. My philosophy is a little bit different, is I don't like to talk about hiring and firings of uh, people. I think it's necessary at times to make changes in the best interest of the university or the sport involved in when that has to happen. I think that most people understand that when you make $2.5 million a year or whatever they make, that you uh, are supposed to bring a certain amount of success to that program because of the amount of money you make. They don't pay you that because they like you. But then I think it's also important to understand how important this decision is for the USC University in whole, the athletic department, the university, because the new future of USC, it's been quite a while since USC has been dominant in college football, and a lot of the older boosters and fans of USC are no longer around or can support it to the level that they have. And it's so important that the new generation or the people that are now graduating from USC can continue with that loyalty and uh, believing of the Trojan family. And also in recruiting, it's so important because the last couple of athletic directors and football coaches have not had the success that is expected at USC. And the players today playing out there have not expected or not have seen that type of tradition of domination, and they currently don't respect the program as it was or has been respected in the past. So unless there is a big change, if they make a change, and I'm not saying they're going to make a change because, you know, there's a possibility that USC can win out or win enough games to go to a major bowl game or whatever. But uh, it certainly is going to be important that when they make this change, if they make one, that it's something that makes a difference, not just hire somebody, hire an athletic director because he's a nice guy or everybody's going to really like him or he wears a nice three-piece suit or whatever. But to hire somebody that knows what's going on. And then you also, in the same way of all the coaches you hire, not just football, but any coach, because you've got to bring the quality of what USC tradition is about. So players want to attend USC. Right now, the current athlete at USC at 18 years old was 10 years old or less when USC had this domination. Now, their parents might remember it. But kids today make the decision of where they're going to school. Parents try to control them, but they don't really. So I think it's important that if changes are made, that they're made for the positive or don't make them. And I think it's got to start at the top with the trustees and the regents and the president of how important football is at USC. So I think that's what the big determination is in this process is it's not, oh, he's a nice guy, or he's, I don't like him, or, oh, he's had some baggage, or whatever, he wants too much control. It's, hey, who can bring the program to USC that can definitely compete for a national championship? Because if you don't do it, don't talk national championships any longer, because people won't remember them. Yeah. Good points, Coach. All right. Well, uh, thanks for that. Let's uh, jump into the questions, because we've got a lot. Rick from L.A., he sent in a text. He says, hello, Ryan and coach. It's like I said, USC football is like an EKG 
EKG chart up and down. One week good, next week bad, and so on. Not surprised they are being outplayed again. Another wasted year. Trojan fans are tighter of this. Uh, and he used a, a, a swear word. <laughs> we won't say it here. Uh, what's going to take to get? What's it going to take to get a real coaching staff? I'd love to see our own coach Hyde be the head coach. He explained things so well. It makes so much sense with how a team should be run and wouldn't make excuses or settle for less. Another wasted Saturday. I should just put in for Saturday overtime at work. Thanks for letting me vent. Hold, uh, holding stuff in is bad for you, Rick from L.A. Well, Rick from L.A., thank you very much for the compliment. But right now, that's not in store for me, okay? But I love talking about it because I love the game of football. And I love giving you my opinion as you love asking questions. And I respect your opinions. But I think right now, the USC football program, when I describe it in this short little thing, is getting back to what I saw over the last several years on the offensive side of the football. It's getting to be 31 flavors. And again, not really making adjustments and throwing you the strength of defenses and not having the necessary short yardage and different types of offense that you need during the game to win football games or go under center when you need to go under center and get the short yardage that you need to get, not throw fades, and the different thing that brings toughness to a football program. Currently, the USC offense doesn't bring any toughness, okay? And you've got to make adjustments, and uh, the running game has been something, and the defensive side of the football has been something that I haven't seen a lot of corrections over the last three or four games on things that haven't worked. And you got a lot of great athletes. Now I see one thing that's positive, and that's the kids are still playing really hard. And the kids really care. And I think it's really important that as long as you can keep those kids playing hard, if you as a coach make the necessary adjustments, then you're going to be okay. But if you don't make those adjustments, then you're going to lose the locker room. Because these kids know they play as hard as they can and they're not having success. Yeah. So I really think that this is the the key right now. And uh, I think that uh, I respect all coaches and what they're doing, but I don't see uh, what you need to do. They played against a better coach football team, a team that was prepared in all areas, no matter where they were on the field. Yes, they did make some mistakes uh, where they could have played the game closer but that's part of the game that's just part of the game uh, you got not you can't do that's part of teaching and not making those mistakes so that's exactly what i say and uh, you know it goes way back in the spring when i was talking about i was i hadn't bought in on this air raid attack really hey when you look at the air raid attack just think about it for a minute what teams in the power five conference use the air raid attack None in the Southeastern Conference, none in the ACC, and correct me if I'm wrong, none in the Big Ten. Now in the Pac-12, you've got Washington State, you've got Texas Tech that runs it, but they're not very good, and you've got USC. Now, why do you need to run an air raid attack? I mean, you're one of the Power Five conferences, and you're one of the Power Five best football programs you should have. Why do you need to run a program that or a program or an offense that tries to simulate a, a, a university or school that doesn't have as as quality athletes as you have? So that's I've said that from the very beginning. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying it now. I'm just saying 
I've said this all along. You got to run the football to win, okay? And you look at the Power Five conferences. Yeah, they throw the football around, but they run the football too. And you know who else runs the football? Is their quarterback. Now you watching these other teams play, and you tell me Justin Fields didn't carry the football. You tell me Trevor Lawrence didn't carry the football. You tell me these great backs, uh, uh, Galen Hurts, didn't carry the football. Okay. Now, at USC, their quarterback, they don't want him to do anything. They run one keep, and he scores a touchdown. But they don't utilize the entire field or stretch the field, and they're hurting themselves. And that's all I can say about that. All right. Yeah, that's kind of a, a little off topic from what that question was, but that's okay. We'll get into a lot of the offensive well, stuff. Well, I'm sorry if I screwed it up. <laughs> that's okay. You got it into the area. There's going to be other area questions, too. But, you know, you being employed by USC coach, that seems to be a common theme in a couple of these questions. I'll play this voicemail for you. Hey, Coach Hyde, Ryan Franco from the East Coast. So I'm a little under the weather this week. I have a bad alert allergy to uh, bad play calling, and my symptoms have been flaring like crazy since that game yesterday. Uh, coach, I think we need to get you out of retirement. I know Ryan is paying the big bucks here, but you, you need to get back up and up into the booth and be our assistant coach for common sense. We have one five-star running back and two four-star running backs. And these guys ran yesterday 27 times, 205 yards at 7.6 yards a carry. Meanwhile, our third-string QB thrown at 32 times, 5.1 yards an attempt, and three picks. So the numbers would tell you, run and keep running, and run until they stop you. But it's not just me doing a... Monday morning quarterback, or say Sunday morning quarterback. If Brock Heard was calling the game, and in the midst of the game, he kept saying repeatedly, look at this defensive alignment that Washington has. Three down linemen, soft linebacker coverage, and DBs 25 yards down the field. They should be running the ball. So what do we do? We pass, and we get intercepted. This is happening as the game is going on. Coach Hyde, we need you up in the booth there to tell these knuckleheads to run when you're supposed to run, and throw when you're supposed to throw. It's not that hard. You know, we keep talking about all our, I just mentioned our five stars and four stars. All these great recruits, if you don't know how to use them, you're going to lose. If you go to Vegas, they deal you the best hand, and you don't know how to play the game, you're going to lose. Fight on, guys. Well, you know, uh, it's true. Teams uh, defense you, okay, and they're going to take away what you do best. As a defensive coordinator, I'm going to look at you and what you do offensively, and I'm going to say, well, I'm going to take uh, their split receivers out of the game by covering deep. If they want to throw short outs and some of those things or try to throw the slant route, which is really something they like to throw, I'm going to drop my backers right into the slant route, and and eventually uh, I'm going to get a pick or I'm going to tip the ball. And as the field closes down, that happens. Uh, They don't have to cover as much field. Then also on the uh, deep safeties, uh, you've got safety help. Uh, when you're playing man zone or cover two or whatever against USC. And uh, you've got safeties getting over there to help you. Now, Pittman has uh, a better idea of how to run a, a deep route, a fade route, or a street route, or a streak route, because he stays away from the sideline, and he doesn't allow the sideline to be defensive players, so he can go up and safety doesn't get there, and he can make that great play. So I keep saying during the game, if you listen to me when I'm tweeting out, throw the ball deep, throw the ball deep, loosen them up. 
and run guys in the flat when you throw deep so you have an option if the guy doesn't come off on cover two if it's playing man you force a linebacker to cover your uh, guy in the flat no matter who that might be and then on the other side Tyler Vaughn for some reason lines up about two or three yards from the sideline and runs a fade and runs out of bounds all the time but he doesn't have enough room to work the field or he doesn't have enough room for Matt to put the ball up there where he can run to the football. So he needs to take a wider or narrower split. We have more field to cover. Now, why can they play their safety so deep and take away the outside, but you never throw the ball in the middle of the field? You never utilize your tight end. You don't throw anything to the middle of the field. You don't run a flat route and put your back up a circle inside to keep your backers out of the slant right cut slant coverages. And uh, you've got to be able to utilize and take them out of those two deep uh, uh, safeties and bring them back up to cover the middle of the field. Got to be able to do that. They ran one quarterback draw, and the spy guy just smacked him. But again, he did that because Malapiai missed his block. He wasn't ready for him to blitz like he came in on, on that play to stop the quarterback draw. So all of these things have got to be looked at, and you've got to remember that if all teams are going to play us like this, we got to be able to run the football. And, you you know, you can't force the pass in situations like you get in your tight end uh, uh, position or what do you call an up back or whatever you want to say, uh, how they play their tight ends. And you run off tackle six, seven times, and you make all these yards, you drive right down the field, and you get down there in the 10-yard line at second and forward, and you throw a slant for an interception. Why? You just ran the ball all the way down the field. What are you trying to prove? Run the football or run a bootleg or run some pass-run option for Matt Fink. I don't understand that. I think that one was a, a – he just – but he didn't run it. He was, should have handed it off. Um, that, well, yeah, but that's a good way of him saying that. I mean, you know, that, that, that's right. He should have, and he didn't, and this and that, okay? But that's part of what you learn, okay, and you're taught. I agree. But, you know, you, you can't – you can't do those things. you got to just be able to get into what you call, why can't you go under center? Why can't you have a short yard, yardage offense like Washington does and all these other teams where the quarterback comes up and you're in a power eye and you just run at somebody with a blast and just run off tackle and kick their butt? Why? I haven't seen them anybody. Everybody does that. Why can't USC do that? Why do they have to run a fade or a slot fade? Uh, I mean, to get in the end zone. When they throw that interception, it turns around to be a 14-point turnaround. You're in the game. You're st- changing the momentum of a game on the road, and you throw an interception. Why? You just can't call those type of options to let that happen. We got one uh, email from Mario in Tucson. Uh, first half is just an example of the same problems from last year that Clay Helton has not resolved. Whoever is playing quarterback, they need blocking. Uh, the last costly three points Washington made were possible thanks to poor tackling. This is just poor preparation from spring and fall football camp. Time to move on, Clay Helton. That's Mario in Tucson. Well, you know, uh, poor tackling is part of athletic ability and, and being able to know your responsibilities. And and they're still attacking the defense the same way they were three weeks ago. And what's what's the first play they ran? Uh, when you think back, what's the first play that they ran last week, Washington? A jet sweep. 
very first play. Why? They know the backside is going to be flowing away. They never watch the backside, so they attack the perimeter. So they do it right off the bat to start you making you aware that uh, that's the area they're going to attack. They run an option. They do the things where you're the weakest. Why run into your strength? Now, you know, these are the things you have to learn to adjust to. And, they, you know, they say we're going to clean it up or uh, the linebackers aren't getting out there or whatever the reason. You know, everybody else can stop it. Why can't uh, you stop it? And, you know, you've got to be able to do that type of stuff. Now, Washington didn't have an athletic quarterback. When you face an athletic quarterback, you've got more problems, too. Now, the game they played against Utah, basically Utah beat itself was the type of defense they ran. They played a man against USC. Now, why would you play a man coverage against USC? Why don't you just rush three like BYU did or uh, like Washington did and play zone and make them just thread the zone? Make them, you know, make them make the play and make them run the football. But, you know, Utah had a different philosophy. Now they change it. They turn around. They had a big win this last weekend over Washington State. They're back in it. But USC has the win over Utah, which puts them in the most favorable position as far as if they could win out, because they would then be the winner of the division in the South. Yeah. So, you know, that's basically what it is. You, you know, you got to adjust. you got to make adjustments. Uh, uh, you know, I, your kids are playing hard, and I think that's the number one thing you got to look at. Are your kids playing hard? They're playing hard. They're trying to win. They really are. And then again, I can't understand the field position uh, that they're getting as far as the poor punting. And then the celebration penalties that are being called on them. The last two games, they got the steps penalty by Reggie Bush hug, which was 15 yards, which I, you know, you heard me talk about that last week, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. These guys want to make more money, these officials. And then how about the spike? What spike? All I did was throw the ball down. Would the guy have to run for the football? Did it make him mad, the quarterback or the official, because he didn't hand it to him? And then Hufunga coming on the field, one yard maybe, with the excitement of still recovering the, the fumble. You can't show any excitement for your team. He's an emotional kid. He wish he was playing. I mean, what kind of calls are that, Mr. Commissioner? I mean, let's get into the game. There's ought to be some kids where you protect the kids, too. It wasn't taunting. It wasn't making any fun of anybody. That was done on your team sideline. And how did they spot that? Because he wasn't in a uniform. If he'd have been in a uniform, they wouldn't have known the difference. So I just threw out to throw that in because after those three penalties, they got terrible field position two weeks yeah. ago and then again this week. But, hey, come on, officials. Let the kids play the game. All right. Uh, let's uh, go to another voicemail, Coach. Here you go. Yeah, this is Richard from Palm Springs right after the game, and uh, Dalton said they're going to go back and watch the film, and we're going to get this corrected. Been hearing that story for three years. It doesn't matter who the players are. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. This is all on Hill. It's the same old story. Poor play calling, penalties, outcoached. Uh, we're not we're not going to be any better than we have been, and to seeing this. It's just ridiculous. One last comment. Don't forget, we play Alabama next year, and I wonder if Clay is going to be saying after that game, we're going to get it corrected. Thanks a lot. Enjoy your podcast very much, and fight on. Bye. Well, I can hear the frustration in his voice, and uh, I think that uh, we sort of talked about that 
at the beginning segment when I talked about, you know, I don't see an identity really. They call it the air raid offense. I, I mean, I don't see an identity in this offense as being an air raid offense. Uh, and I'm saying, why do you need an air raid offense? Uh, air raid. I, I, you know, I've been talking about this all the time. And what is my number one statement I use? Why do you have to try to be like somebody else? Why don't you be who USC is? Now, you know a program that's taken the USC philosophy and wins 10 games every year. I think I mentioned this last week or another show I did. I don't know. But Wisconsin, Michigan can handle it. I'm telling you, Wisconsin lines up, and they decide to just pound you and pound you and pound you, and then they play action pass. And they play such great defense. Even the defense get turnover scores every every week. Notre Dame's defense scored two this week to help them against Virginia. So, you know, I don't know, you, you, you look at other people and you say, hey, just be yourself at USC. Don't be like other people that try to be fancy or anything. Just play good, old-fashioned college football. Yeah, uh, that's what you'd like to see. That's not exactly what you're seeing now, but they did run the ball better in this last game. So there's, there's that, at least. Well, um, they should. They yeah. should against that defense. But you got to go in prepared for that, Ryan, because yeah. of what you're doing. But you don't have any complete series. It's just the same plays. You never finish it. Watch when he hands the football off on the, on the sweep or the reach or whatever when the back goes there, and he comes out and looks back to see how the play's doing. In fact, one, that, uh, one play that would indicate that, indicate that was when he handed the ball off to Malapiai. Malapiai just stopped and came back to the right to try to get back to the open area. If he'd have just kept that football, he'd have run. And the Malapii would have had a chance on that power of that sweep. And another thing, too, if you're going to run straight ahead, give the back a chance to be in the eye or an offset eye or something where he can see where the openings are and have a better, you know, you're going to have a tendency, of course, but you're not going to drop back and pass when he's in the eye because he's in a poor position to pass block from that position. But, you know, put a package together that that works. I mean, finish your series of some type. If you're going to run the run read, then run it. Right now they just do it occasionally. So if he makes a mistake, Mac, it's not Matt's fault. It's that he never practiced it. He's never seen it as far as to make the right decision. So he thinks what first? pass obviously it was there the air raid yeah that's a, a yes well there's there's more questions about that we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later we have a email all the way uh from cyprus uh it's a little island off of the coast of uh syria turkey i believe uh looks beautiful i've never been there but i might have to go check it out and our buddy dimitri wrote in he's class of usc class of 1999 he says coach hyde do you find it troublesome when coach helton says after a loss and pretty much after every loss, that he, quote, loves the way the team competed, he loves the heart these guys have, and he's proud of their performance. When you have championship coaches like Nick Saban saying after a 65 to nothing victory that his team played crappy and they're going to work on the mistakes they had during the game. Fight on from Dimitri. Well, it's what your expectations are. Do you want to win football games or you just want to see if your kids played hard? You got to do both. You got to have expectations of how, what, who you are, and your identity. And the number one thing you do is win. And do you win with style? Do you win by luck? Who are you? 
And it's more to just playing hard. Now, don't get me wrong. I talked about that. But it's being successful when you play hard. And you can't continually say, as we say every week, we're going to clean that up and next week we're going to come back. Hey, clean that up. We've played five football games. What are you cleaning up? Half the season's almost gone. So, yeah, you've got to take care of these things and understand from the beginning what it's all about in the philosophy. Not that you don't want your kids to play hard, but there's a reward for playing hard. That's like cashing a check, making your goals, passing a test, walking on campus, not trying to defend yourself all the time on what happened and if we hadn't fumbled or if we hadn't thrown that interception, we'd have won the football game. I mean, you ever watch Nick Saban during the game stare down his assistant coach? Like to say, you idiot, or to say, why? Hey, these coaches know what's expected of them, too. And if you need to make a change, you make a change. And I agree with someone who called a minute ago or left a message and saying, this is all the responsibility of the head football coach. Yeah. The way his coaches perform, the way his players perform, the discipline on and off the field, the whole thing. And another thing I'm not in favor of is the amount of people you take to a game that are injured that honor part of the mission. I mean, I used to travel. When we travel, we said, we're going on a mission, like the SEALs or whatever. Our group that are going, we're going there for one reason. If we don't protect ourselves and stay focused, some of us might not come back. So when you take some kids sometimes on the road that are injured, it's a distraction because it's a different type of feeling when you're not going to play. It reminds people that he's not playing and the person that's taking his place. So, you know, that's my philosophy. It's the head coach's philosophy. I mean, you're going on a mission, okay? And you've got to come back and be all alive. All right, let's uh, stick with the international theme, Coach. Uh, Robert in Athens, Greece, he's class of USC class of 2000, sent in a text, uh, is it any wonder that there's a discipline, discipline problem with the team when one of the coaches went and hugged Talanoa Funga and was coddling him on the sideline after he was flagged for an unsportsmanlike penalty, and he wasn't even dressed for the game. Uh, P.S. Props to you, Ryan, and your amazing, accurate uh, persistence when you predicted that Chip Kelly wouldn't do well when he returned to the college ranks when Dan and Coach Hyde predicted he would pick up right where he left off. Thanks, guys, for all the hard work and enduring this painful coaching regime with us all, Robert in Athens, Greece. First of all, no, Robert, I said Chip Kelly would kill it, so maybe you're being facetious there. Um, Dan Weber was not a fan of Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is not killing it right now, so uh, he looks more like, he doesn't look like the Oregon Chip Kelly. He looks more like uh, San Francisco 49ers Chip Kelly, which wasn't a good Chip Kelly. But, Coach, what do you think of the discipline problem? Well, first of all, I want to apologize to people because I'm coughing in the phone. I hope you can't hear it. I've got a little bit of a cold here, just cold. So uh, I want to apologize for that if it's coming on the air. But Rub some dirt on it, Coach. You're ready. We'll get you back out there. Uh, if it's not my heart, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay? I used to tell, no, I won't tell you what I told the players. I said, is your heart okay? Yeah, it's great, Coach. Then what's wrong with you? And uh, all of a sudden, they were ready to play again. Okay. But uh, moving along, uh, yeah, I think uh, discipline is so important. And without discipline, it. You know, you, you can't win because everybody's trying to win. People forget that you're not the only team trying to win. Everybody's trying to win, and you've got to make sure that every little thing here and there, and you hear me talk about the socks, the way you dress, and 
this and that and Reggie Bush's comments and all. That's all part of a football program, how you travel, where you sit on the plane, how you talk to the attendants on the plane, hey, how you clean your locker room up when you leave. You want that, that crew that flies you charter to say, you know, uh, we want to request that we fly USC all the time because they are so courteous, those kids and, and the team. They're so nice and so on. Hey, you're an image. And when you go into the hotel, how you go into the hotel and how you thank uh, the people for a key or when you walk around your presence in the hotel, are you acting proper? The whole, all of the above, that's all part of the responsibility of the head football coach, no one else. And I'm not saying the USC doesn't have that, okay? Because I don't travel with the team. But I'll tell you what, that's part of the things I always made sure of that if somebody was in charge of that, like sideline discipline or whatever, <coughs> excuse me, or whatever else, that it was done. And uh, and you, you've got to have that in all areas. And you can't start now. It starts in the beginning of the program. It starts all along, you know, when you talk about toughness and this and that and who we are. And our identity isn't just what we do on the field. Our identity is everywhere. And I used to say, you know, you don't know who people are that are looking at you, but they know who you are. And you never get a second chance at a first impression. So let's make sure we don't have to worry about second chances. All right. Uh, let's go back to the voicemails. Um, yeah, we got a lot of them today. Here's another one for you, Coach. What's going on, guys? This is Don from the East Coast, NYC, New Jersey area. This is for uh, you guys and Dan Weber. Um I think the Trojans, the Trojans played good. They tried to fight as best as they could uh, on the road. Um, turn over, we can't turn the ball over. That's just what it is. But I just think that um, this team is pretty much a, 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 a shadow. I don't want to say a shadow, but pretty much you're looking in a mirror of, of what Clay Helton is as a coach. I just think that if, if the team plays, it, it, the elite teams know how to win on the road, and they are not an elite team. A good team knows how to win on the road. They are like average. And USC, to me, is not an average program. you got to get a coach in there who knows what this type of program is and how to get it over the hump. They just can't get over the hump. Sam Donald's not there to, to, to save everybody anymore. He's with the Jets. So now we got to get to the point where how can we get over this hump? And I just don't think Clay Helton can do the job. The team is a representation of their coach, and you see it. Yeah, they get those wins at home, but they're struggling to win on the road, big games on the road. And the elite teams know how to do it. In order for you know SC to get back to that elite level, that's what they got to learn how to do. They got to win on the road, man. That's that's huge. But um, you guys do a great show. Um, I love it out here on the East Coast, and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Fight on. Well, thank you very much. You know, uh, you got to have a philosophy of a home game and an away game. And you heard me talk briefly about that when I used to call it a mission. I used to tell our team it's great to go on the road. Let's go up there. You know, they charge the highest price ticket for us when we come. You know, we're the Rebels from UNLV or wherever we were, the Lancers from Pasadena City College. We won a lot of football games, and people came out to watch us play. or Not to watch us uh, beat you, but for them to sometimes just watch us play or to see if you could beat us. And we used to take it as a challenge. I mean, let's go up there so that all their media that sit in the press box will vote for us as far as the number one team or number two team or whatever. Let's have their team come across and say, you guys are really very good. Let me have the opportunity of walking across the field and shaking his hand and said, hey, coach, great job. You did a great job against us. Instead of him coming back, 
across the field and telling me, Coach, great job. But the guy that always says great job is the guy, you know, that won. So let me do that. Let me come. And you guys, too, shake their hands and run off the field. We're not trying to be friends with everybody. We're supposed to win a football game and get the hell out of here so we can go back home and celebrate and have a good trip home on the plane, eat a lot of food, sing some songs, talk about the things that are necessary, not take a trip home where I get all upset because people are talking. Because I used to say, what are you talking about? We just failed at what we worked on all week or all year. I'm one of those type of guys. And, uh, you know, when you win, I'm a type of guy, too, that likes to celebrate. I mean, I like to, you know, stand up college president up when he's on our plane and say, this is why it's happening, guys, because we got a leader like this that cares about us. And he loves it. And the boosters are on the plane. So what do we accomplish by going up there and not getting beat? And, again, you know, you say, guys, we represent everybody up here. We want everybody. And I remember Mike Garrett making this statement. He says, you know, everybody wished they could be like us, but they can't. And he made that in a, I think, a, uh, in some Trojan Club meeting in San Jose or something when the NCAA was after USC or whatever. And that uh, eventually was the excuse they used for replacing Mike Garrett and something like that. But I think it had been different around there because Mike had a lot of discipline. And Mike, the kids loved Mike Garrett because they knew where they stood. You don't miss a class or he puts you on the, uh, the bus to go home. And uh, they understood that winning was important. Not just the kids, but the coaches. And he used to tell the coaches, I'll give you anything you need, just win. Yeah. And graduate your kids and keep them out of practice or keep them out of trouble. Now, that's all I want to hear as a head football coach. That's all I want to hear. So uh, they've got away from that. You know, they wanted their players and student athletes to have a real school experience. I remember one athletic director saying, yeah, I think they should go to plays and all this and that, which is fine. I think they should if they choose to. But I don't think on, on the kids' off time, he should be forced to do anything like that because that's his time. Maybe he needs to study or do something else. But now I'm rambling about that stuff. <laughs> we'll keep. I could, I could write a book on all this crap. I know. Okay, I know you could, Coach. Um, every every week we do a chapter here on the podcast. We got a text from Rick. Uh, he's a ten year band alumni member. He said, Ryan and Coach Hyde, can you both explain to me why Clay Helton keeps playing Vavai Malpei over Stephen Carr and Marquis Step? The second and third string running backs are having a, a way better game than the first strings, but put in mile pie on the goal line. I don't get it. Hashtag fire Helton. And thanks for what uh, all you guys do. Love the podcast fight on Ryan and crew. Well, uh, I don't know why he does some of those things. Uh, uh, I think because Malapai is a tough guy. He is a tough guy. Believe me, I wouldn't want to fight him. There's some guys you want to fight as a coach, you know, and there's some guys you treat a little bit differently because they got a little bit of a temper and they might knock you out. Okay. Now you got to have those guys on your team, but you want them to knock out the other guy, but he's that type of guy. He's a, probably a great kid. You know him. I don't know him, but he plays hard. And I think that's, it's hard to tackle him. And Stephen Carr, I was, I thought he's a great player, but I was disappointed he didn't run away for that touchdown. When he broke that long run, I was disappointed they ran him down. 
to me, he didn't have the speed that he used to have. And I don't know if he's injured or whatever, but I expected him to go the distance on that play. So, you know, you got to look at these different things. And down on the goal line, when you find a way to get in, if you remember Stanford, when they do their bunch formation, they put their offensive linemen in a four-point stance. They bring a big tackle in or tight end or two tackles in in the backfield. And they just pound it in there. They might give it to a running back or give it to somebody else. But you got to be able to get those yards no matter what it takes. Hey, those are golden yards down there. How many times have you guys heard me say, all those other stripes don't mean anything? It's the one stripe, the goal line stripe, is where you get points. And you cannot be denied down there. And when you get down there to five-yard line or first and goal and so on, and you get out of there with no points, are you kidding me? You can't win football games by that happening because the momentum of a game changes to the other side. And you lose your confidence when that happens. So, I didn't know what the question was. <laughs> Coach, that's awesome. Uh, he was talking about, play. you talked about the play in those running backs. Um, which one you like, Step or uh, Carr over uh, Vavai? Yeah. Well, I think they have different qualities. Uh, yeah. They all, I thought and, they all played well in that game, so I, I didn't have an issue. They ran for over – that was the, the best rushing performance USC had all year. They ran for over 200-something yards. There's actually – this voicemail will kind of get into a little bit about some of the specifics of the run game. I'll get your thoughts on this one, Coach. Here you go. Curtis from Moreno Valley. This question is for the coach. <clears throat> it seems that everybody that drops eight into coverage is going to take away most of our passing options but it should be weak against the run. Please explain the crackback block by wide receivers, which we could have four, sometimes tight ends, in a tight set that have to cover that pass with all those people. Please explain the crackback block for running uh, effectiveness. Curtis for from Moreno Valley. Well, you know, the crackback uh, crack block is uh... – been really uh, watched because it's uh, a dangerous block when you come back and you chop a guy below the knees and do that type of stuff. You can't do that anymore. And when you come back, you can't just take a guy's head off anymore. You got to make sure you come in and hit him higher and and basically, I guess, give him a chance. I guess that's what it's called, or at least let him see you're blocking him. And uh, you know, it's used a lot. They do a lot of that on picking and so on. But they're watching that really closely now. And uh, if you're playing man defense, that basically, if you're playing man and you go down inside, your guy will go with you. But you got to have scheme blockings on how you're going to pick this guy up with guards or fullbacks or leadbacks or whatever. Because if a guy's playing man on you, you're better off just to drive off and then stock block him. And if they're playing zone, then it's good to come down. But again, you've got to be able to have somebody out in front of the play the block, the zone guy or the guy that's out there, the corner or the linebacker that's going to fill for where that guy was. So you got to have different schemes of blocking when you're playing man or when you're playing zone. And you got to be able to recognize that and make calls within the line and so on, or your quarterback make blocking calls to let your line know what to do. Now, today with the no-huddle offense and all this and that, there's lack of communication. And 
not like it used to be. In fact, here we are running a hurry-up offense at USC, which you know I'm not in favor of, really. And you get a delay a game and a hurry-up offense, and it's not a hurry-up offense anymore. I mean, if you call about hurry-up offense, it's just a huddle again, another another run, another play without a huddle, which it has been the last several years. Now it was a hurry-up offense in the spring, in a fall camp, as we saw it, Ryan, but it's not that anymore. Uh, the quarterback's looking, and sometimes he's a little confused, and the play's a little bit late coming in. It's all lack of communication. And you hear the coaches talk about, well, it was just lack of communication. Well, that's because how are you communicating with these kids? So, you know, blocking, blocking schemes, audibles, colors, different things you say on the line of scrimmage under center. And when you're not under center, the offensive line doesn't hear you as well. So it's a whole different thing. And not that, you know, you can't go a whole game not being under center, but there's times you need to be under center. There's times you need to be in an eye. There's times you need to do certain things. You can't be one-dimensional, and that's what they are. They they don't seem to adjust to their blocking schemes or correlate their run with the with the with the secondary calls or what they're doing. And it's got to all be together. It's like it's you just do it. They just do the same thing over and over, and doesn't make any difference. All right, we're gonna take. We have a few questions left. We're gonna take a quick break. Come right back and finish up the podcast. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Got another voicemail question for you, Coach. Here you go. Wowee. You know, I would listen to Coach Hyde say things like, well, at practice, you know, I would do this, and I would, you know, he doesn't like to throw another coach under the bus, things like that. But he would say different things that he would do. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And then at halftime yesterday, when uh, Urban Meyer said, well, with a new coach, with a new player uh, starting his first game in a big crowd, I would have him do perimeter passes first so he can get the uh, get the jitters out. I wouldn't have him thrown over the middle. Even He even said, I'm surprised they had him throw over the middle. And I thought to myself, and Coach Hyde and – and this guy know what they're talking about. And it's simple things. It's it's really simple. And if our coach doesn't know something as simple as that, well, you know, he really does need to go. I've been a I've been a uh, cheerleader for uh for uh Coach Helton because because of his faith, football and family. But I'm kinda of thinking that's kinda of phony now. You know, for the first time I listened to one of those promotions, promos and He's on there screaming, "Ah, players, you got it!" And I'm thinking, well, he doesn't show any of that in interviews or anything. You know, coach, coach, uh, any coach, their personality is on the field and off the field. This guy's personality is split on the field, well, in promos. 
and off the field with this happy Monday, all happy-go-lucky type things. Uh, so he doesn't seem to be even uh, – he's not even an honest guy, to be frank. And so that faith, family, and football is out the window, and I want him gone immediately, if not sooner. Fight on. Thank you. Well, I tell you, uh, confidence is the whole thing in football. Like I said, uh, you got to believe in yourself as a football team and uh, faith, family, and your team and so on. Uh, you've heard me say this. Uh, you travel together. You cry together. You celebrate together. There's no one that cares any more than you guys. It's nobody else but the team itself. We determine what is going to happen, and that's the way it goes. So, yes, you always have to build the confidence of your team, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. You just have to do that. And as Coach Urban Meyer said, you know, you do uh, make plays and you do keep it simpler so your quarterback on the road has success. And you make the type of adjustments immediately. You don't wait till halftime or later on to make the adjustments. You don't force the things that you shouldn't be doing. You've got to make these adjustments immediately. They're giving us this. This is what we have to do. we got to do it over and over and over to get them out of that. Or you're not going to win. You're going to make mistakes. And and uh, I have to say and agree with you, at times uh, Coach Helton seems disconnected from the game. I'm not quite sure if he's involved in the play calling or whatsoever. I think it, the way it appears to me, Graham Hill makes all those decisions on the third down plays when the second and four and they're throwing the football or a fade route on fourth down from the slot and all of these different things uh, as far as getting yourself in a position to be able to use your, your running game to get in that end zone where you should be able to do. You don't do it the soft way. Not that London isn't a great kid, but, you know, they, go through, they threw to him twice and it was two negative things and he didn't play much and he's a freshman. So, I mean, he's got his, he's a great basketball player and all this, he's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong. But, guy, you got to get to your playmakers and make things happen that it is, not one rookie throwing to another rookie. I mean, uh, and I think that it's very, very important to have confidence in what the play is called, that it's going to work, and you know it's going to work, but you practice it against yourself, and it's uh, something that you believe in. Like, like I've told you, I mean, I don't know how many times I've told you this, we went ones against ones on Thursdays. Goal line offense. Why? Because that one line meant so much difference in whether we stopped or we scored in yeah. winning football games. And if you don't have that pride to get in the end zone or that pride to stop in the end zone, stop them from scoring, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. you got to have it. You hear me, Ryan, how many times have I said that? In fact, in the spring, we used to scrimmage 11 on offense and 12 on defense. Because we used to tell our guys, if we can get in against our 12 guys, we'll get in against anybody. Why? Because we had good players. So I think this is just part of growing up and part of believing in yourself, not somebody else. And I think that tradition is passed down from year to year to year, to your, from your seniors to your juniors to your sophomores to your freshmen the philosophy of what USC football is or wherever you are. All right. We got a few more for you, coach. We got Brennan in Colorado. He says, I know you don't like to comment on other coaches, but at what point do you, 
as a head coach, take your coaches in and see what needs to change. It seems like all offseason they were heading in the right direction, and as soon as the practices closed, it went downhill fast. After watching the Washington game, it's easy to see the defense isn't actually that bad, but the offense just seems to be all over. I see the end being near for Coach Helton, but it seems to be to his own demise considering the team is falling, uh, failing in the areas he said he was taking over this season. He said he was take over penalties and turnovers, and those have been bad. Uh, thanks for everything you and Ryan do. Uh, Brendan in Colorado. Well, Brendan, I don't need to go to practice, okay? I mean, I know that uh, Ryan's at practice and Dan's at practice and Keeley's at practice and all this and that, but I don't need to go because what they're practicing, I'm going to see on Saturday. So I don't need to see what they're doing during the week because if they're doing things during the week they're not going to do on Saturday, they shouldn't practice because they're not accomplishing what we're supposed to do to win a football game. So my point is, all right, I'll see what you do on Saturday, and I assume that's what you did during the week. And uh, so that's the way I judge what I see on Saturday as far as what's happening in practice. And I know that Keeley and Dan do a great job and everybody that goes there, Ryan, but I don't need to go because I can evaluate it on Saturday. Why would you be doing something on Saturday if you didn't practice it during the week? Or if you worked on it, why didn't you do it? So it's the same thing. So that's why I don't go to practice, and that's why I get to comment it every commented on today. Well, that and we don't. I mean, we we can't watch practice either now. So he's saying like, since once practice is closed, he feels it went downhill. And uh, I don't, well, yeah. well, I don't know if it went downhill. They're probably doing the same thing. I don't think we make a difference watching practice. I think that that's part of the coaching staff's ability of taking advantage of what you're doing at practice. I don't think we make a difference on what's happening in practice, whether it's open or closed. I don't care. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Apparently they think it matters because they've closed practice. I don't know why it matters. Yeah. But uh, I that, mean, personally, it seems like you're worried about something. Matter? Yeah. It seems like you're worried about something dumb. Uh, you didn't work five and seven because practices were open. And you didn't lose to a terrible BYU team on the road because practices were open, you know, because you closed them. So. All right. Well, let me tell you, the biggest loss of the year is not the Washington loss. The biggest loss of the year is the BYU loss. Yeah. Could you be 4-1? and one? I'm just telling you. BYU lost to Toledo. BYU lost to Toledo, yeah. right. I mean, you know, we beat Toledo. <laughs> I mean, not the Toledo one, but they were 10-1 and one that year when we beat them. So, uh, I'm just saying that was the loss that really was crucial. I mean, if you start at the beginning of the season and you said you're going to beat Utah, at home, you'd say, wow, that's great. Going to be BYU, going to win, beat Fresno, and, uh, and be BYU, and lose at Washington in the way they lost. I mean, giving it away, okay? That'd be maybe a different story today, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, let's be realistic on, on everything, too. We uh, look at that a little bit, too. Uh, excuse me, Notre Dame, uh, Dave. From AK, I don't know where AK is. Um, assuming, and he, he likes, uh, you know, um, he says, assuming Keaton Slovis can play, who would you start a quarterback and why? Many at uscfootball.com uh, touted the air, other than Harvey Hyde, touted the air raid offense and felt that it would be unstoppable. However, I've seen indeed that it is stoppable when dropping eight in the coverage. Why can't USC run against three in the box? 
it would seem as if the offensive line would have gigantic numbers, uh, a gigantic number advantage against those um, under these circumstances that an effective run option would be uh, would cause the defense to stop dropping eight into coverage, thereby opening the passing game. So what can be done to create more effective ground game against a three-man box? So I guess two things there, but one, I think we talked about the, the, the running game already, but you can touch more on that if you want. But who do you think should start a quarterback and why if, if Keaton Slovis can play? Well, I wouldn't start Solis. Uh, you already started. I don't know how you say that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We had some complaints, Coach, so make sure. Keaton Slovis. So that's just so you know. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm pretty close, okay? <laughs> I, I used to say that to my players, and they'd say, Coach, my name is this. I'd say, don't worry, change it. Change it where I can say it, would you please? Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with those guys in a lot of ways. But, I mean, here's a kid that hadn't played in two weeks, and here's a kid that hadn't played – on the road, and here's a kid that might be still tentative a little bit as far as being hit like he was hit and hasn't had the, maybe lost a little confidence. I'm not saying he's had a great kid and great player, but why take go on the road and have someone else start that's never started before on the road in a very hostile situation? So me, this is me in my opinion, I'd start Matt Fink, Okay. And because he's done it at Washington. Now, Washington and Notre Dame, I'd say, are comparable teams. I would say be a hell of a game between them two. Notre Dame, though, has gained a lot of confidence in the way they play Georgia at Georgia, okay? They're a good football team. Don't get me wrong. But you better bring your experience. You better bring your game. You better bring everything. And me, this is me, I'd start Fink. So, uh... And again, I'd have the kid ready to go, the freshman kid ready to go, and that's just me. So uh, I wouldn't want to bring him back too close, fast, and I wouldn't want to have to start him on the road at Notre Dame because that's not an easy thing to happen, okay? So that's the way I feel there. And as far as the running game is concerned, uh, and why can't they run against what they're doing, it's a mindset, okay? It's a mindset. Way back in the spring, it was air raid. We run the ball, but it's air raid. All they thought about is air raid. I don't hear them ever talk about we run the ball first and then we're air raid or we do this or we do that. So it's a mindset with the offensive line, not the running backs. They love to run the football. So it's a mindset. I think Tucker and Jackson have have done a great job. I mean, that's, there's a couple of pair of guys that could play football. Now, I haven't been able to evaluate the other side, Richmond and McKenzie. Uh, I hope they're good. They went down the field running a lot to the right against Washington and made big games with the tight end there blocking. They picked up pretty good schemes, and I thought they made some great yards. Then they decided to go to the air game again. But that's a mindset on running the football against anybody. Doesn't make any difference how many are in the box. That's all part of you believing in the running game and making it happen. Doesn't make any difference. Okay? And uh, I think that's why maybe there's a question, even among the coaches, that it's effective. So I think it's all part of a mindset on how you teach it and and uh, how you raise a a young kid to, to be part of a family. 
All right, we got one last one for you, Coach. Uh, Mick in Virginia, he said, if you look at our remaining schedule, it's hard to envision a 6-6 six and six record at best when you consider how well Arizona State and Cal are playing. Uh, Cal's not playing well anymore, by the way, because they lost their quarterback. Uh, Colorado away in late October won't be a warm summer day at the beach either. At this stage in Clay Hilton's tenure, it's more important to plan for a future without him than to endure mediocrity with him. It's obvious the main reason he has a winning record at USC is because of Sam Darnold. Helton is the same coach now as he was when he coached his first game. Maybe a little more game savvy, but still a coach who was unable to get his players to play consistent winning football. The air raid nonsense has got to end now. USC built their reputation and legacy on tough, brutally physical football teams that rush the football and stop the run better than anyone in the country. It's in our DNA watching them dink and dunk down the field is almost embarrassing to me. What other team with national championship aspirations rushes for 13 yards one week and for 212 yards the next? The answer is that the answer to that is none. By the way, is USC football about to, uh, about taking what the opposition gives them or taking it to the opposition? The time to decide is now before we start losing recruiting battles to San Diego State. Mick in Virginia. Well, you know, you've heard me say this several times. Why would you bring a young kid in or the last couple of offensive coordinators that have been there? T. Martin, great guy, great recruiter. When you have locally here in Southern California, a guy that they won national championships with, and now he's the offensive coordinator of this new XFL league, Norm Chow. I mean, you know, Norm left and went to Tennessee, not because of his wanting to leave, but I'm not going to get into that reason now. But you won big. Lindell White, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart is a great quarterback coach, great two-back running back coach, knows the game. Why couldn't they reach to Norm Chow to be the offensive coordinator with Clay Helton? Is the name too big? Why in, a, why in the world, guy lives locally here in Torrance, California. I mean, or even as a consultant or something to involve him in the troubled part of what's going on on the offensive side of football. No interest, no contact, nothing. Why wasn't he named last year the offensive coordinator and bring in his people? That he's been at USC. He has a great name in Southern California as far as recruiting. I mean, please. Graham Hill's a great guy. I don't even know him. He's had a great career as a pro player and playing at Texas Tech. But he doesn't live in Southern California. He doesn't know the coaches in Southern California or have the name that is recognized in Southern California. When I say Norm Chow, who doesn't know that name, Norm Chow? So my thought is, is I'm not sure that that type of quality coach's name isn't too big for USC now or the athletic director or whoever because he could have, I think, helped Clay Helton a great deal as far as Clay is not a threat to anybody. Clay doesn't want to be a head football coach. Clay loves kids and loves coaching. And look at the number of Heisman trophies he's coached or coaching Heisman Trophy winners he's coached. Right here, was his name ever mentioned or interviewed or called? I would guess no.
And that's my thought. All right, Coach. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, dealing with us um, and with your uh, little bit, being a little under the weather. But thank you again for coming on. Well, game day is every day, buddy. You got to learn to play it with my heart, okay? No, yeah, you you did it. You worked it well. We had a pretty long show. It was good. There was, I mean, a lot of questions. Um, fans are upset. They're frustrated. I don't know if you feel their pain, Coach, but I think you can tell from the emails and voicemails they're they're upset. Oh yeah, they are, and uh, because these guys remember those years, okay? A lot of people don't remember those years. Does our new college president at USC remember those years? Does she have to be reminded? That's the things I'm talking about. I mean, uh, how important is it to the people now in charge at USC? I'll leave with that. All right. Thanks. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Thanks to all of you out there listening here on the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.